0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the BETD podcast series. I'm your host, Michael Buxbaum, energy journalist and blogger with the Heinrich Boll Stiftung's Energy Transition.org. For this podcast, We're speaking with Catherine Lucy, founder and CEO of Solar Sister, a grassroots network of women entrepreneurs across sub Saharan Africa that is bringing both clean energy to rural off grid communities as well as transformative change to family life and gender roles. Safer, cheaper, better for the local environment and the planet. In an area where most people still light their homes with kerosene and cook over open fires, not only are Solar Sister entrepreneurs bringing renewable energy options like solar lights and cook stoves into villages and homes, but helping other women to earn money, which in turn is often spent on school tuition for their children. As we move through this holiday season traditionally a season of light. From her home in Northern Virginia, in this podcast, Catherine, now a retired utility developer, shares some of her experiences bringing light, hope, and power to women and families in Africa with our audience. And who are they? Well, they are the people who attend the Berlin Energy Transition Dialogues. Policymakers, analysts, academics, journalists, business people, investors, and others from within the energy sector. For this podcast, we condensed a lot of material, the heart of which deals with the intersection between clean energy and female empowerment, particularly in an area of the world where women remain far from equal and most families live on less than $300 per year. As we begin, I ask Catherine about why she focuses on creating a woman-to-woman peer network.
1: Yeah, so um, Solar Sister, as you can tell from the name, actually um, from the you know from the beginning was really focused on women as part of the solution for clean energy access, and the reason for that is when we decided to. Um, that the solution for clean energy was really making this modern technology available in remote communities, then the first question was, well, how do we, you know, why isn't it getting there? What are the gaps? What's preventing this from happening now? Because it's, you know, it's so obviously a great solution. It's cheaper, safer, cleaner, and all that. So we looked and the, the two gaps were, one is geographic distribution in last mile areas is really tough. It's hard to get the products out to the people and it's hard to create the awareness. And so that gap needed to be closed. And then the second gap was um, really that there's a gender gap with relation here. So what we're talking about is clean energy access at the household level. And women are the managers of energy at the household level. They're the ones who go out and um, you know walk miles to town, to fill up their Coca-Cola bottle or their can and bring with kerosene and bring it home to light their lights. They're the ones who go out and collect the firewood. Um, So at the household level, it's really women who are managing the energy. And those are the women that we were targeting as our customers. And so if they are going to make a decision, a purchase decision to switch to a solar light instead of continuing to pay for kerosene, and we wanted that to be a you know a decision that they make. Um, we're gonna have to reach those women in a way that they understand, that they trust, and that they're going to um, be responsive to. And the best way to do that was by through other local women, by creating this network of very local entrepreneurs. We're able to um, educate, train, and support those local entrepreneurs so that they have all of the um, understanding of what this technology can do, and they use it themselves. And so then, when they go to their friends, their social network, their friends, their cousins, their their church group members, you know, their women's group members, their um, local savings and loan group that they're part of, they reach out through this incredible social network that they have, and they're able to very authentically tell them this is why the solar lamp is so much better than that kerosene lamp. I use it at home, and, you know, my son is now studying at night because he has light. He had, doesn't have to cough because of the fumes, and now he's number one in his class. And that kind of sales technique from one woman to another is just absolutely the most effective sales technique you can imagine, um, and it doesn't focus on sort of the specs of the technology or or the um, – you know, how many lumens it is or, you know, anything like that, it really, really focuses on what are the benefits of this in your life. I'm going to be able to tell you that because I've seen them in my life. And so um, Solar Sister became a network of women entrepreneurs because that was the most effective solution.
0: You're working in three countries in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Which countries and why them? Mm
1: -hmm. So um, there are Currently, it's 600 million people in sub-Saharan Africa that don't have access to electricity. And that was really the starting place. Um, That's across all of sub-Saharan Africa, and it's most acute in the rural areas. Um, We work in Tanzania and Nigeria, and and we started in Uganda. And the reason we started and operate in those countries um, Nigeria has more people without access to energy than any country on Earth. Just the sheer population of Nigeria and the lack of access. And this is a country that has plentiful resources for energy. If you think of Nigeria as actually an oil company, so you know they have plenty of resources, but still people don't have access to simple grid electricity. And in Tanzania, um, in the rural populations, Only, uh, I think it's 12% of people have access to any kind of grid electricity. And so, you know, focusing on where the need was greatest and where we could have the greatest impact has really been what has guided us to where does this um, kind of grassroots rural network work the best.
0: I have to ask this question uh, perhaps because I was raised in the United states I, I see many things through the gaze of of race and ethnicity can, can you can you discuss how how you found your way then to Africa and how you as a white woman have have bridged race to to build and expand solar sister there
1: yeah so um it it's a bit of a a, a windy story i guess for a windy journey how I ended up there but it's actually um, comes from the place where I firmly believe that you solve the problem that's in front of you. And it just happened to be. So my background was, um, I am American. I'm from, I live in New England and United States for many years. And I was working in banking in New York for many years, none of which really points towards Developing a, a rural distribution network in Africa, I guess. But what happened was that um, I was in banking, in the finance sector, in the energy sector, um, building large-scale power plants, really deal, uh, addressing issues of energy infrastructure globally from a very um, high finance point of view. So we were building you know, billion-dollar power plants um, Um, And what I learned from that is that there's no country that can come into the modern era if they don't have access to electricity. And when I left banking, and I left banking to stay home with the kids and to, you know, change my trajectory of what I was doing. um, And I started getting involved with some different community philanthropies, mostly around the environment, around women's empowerment, issues that really spoke to me and were really important to me in my life. And uh, one of them happened to be a small uh, foundation that was doing work in rural Uganda, putting solar on clinics and schools, distributed solar, um, enabling those schools and clinics to have electricity for the first time. And uh, my background in energy, um, just this really spoke to me that this was a a distributed energy solution that really would reach people that... um, even some of the big infrastructure projects that I had been involved with in the past weren't reaching the local communities in this way. And so I thought, well, that's a really great project. And through that, I ended up um, being engaged, involved on the ground in Uganda, helping to put solar panels on a local clinic, hoping to put solar panels on a school, climbing up on the roof and installing and, and working with the local community. One of the communities that we worked in, um, there was a project to light every home in that village And um, seeing at the household level what an impact of having access to light does for a family just blew me away. I I, I knew it intellectually at this big infrastructure level that you can't come into the modern era if you don't have access to electricity. And here at a household, at a family, you know, a mother, a father, their four kids, um, seeing how it impacted their lives, so, so... um, so completely and really just opened up opportunity for them Um, and the mother started a farming business where she used the light in that we had installed for her chickens um, to keep them chickens will only eat when they can see so by having a light in the chicken room um, the chickens ate more and were healthier and she got more money from that by taking the eggs to market and so just seeing this kind of incredible journey that they Um, were able to start on really simply because of light. And and that um, just kind of shook me to the core and I was like, well, this needs to happen more. And right at that same time, uh, there was a big transformation in the way that solar power was available. So this is about a little over 10 years ago. And prior to that, I would say people looked at solar electricity as kind of this green luxury. It was expensive, but you probably wanted to do it because you really cared about the environment. Well, right around that time, um, the prices of solar started just dropping you know, precipitously. The solar panels were cheaper. The, you know, all of the product became so much cheaper. It's, it's about 10% of what it was 10 years ago. So a 90% drop in the cost over the last 10 years has just you know, opened up the, the ability for solar to be a, a real live solution for so many more people. And at the same time, some designers started a a movement called Designing for the Other 90%. And they started designing products, not luxury products, but using that same high level of design thinking for products that were built for people living in rural communities and, you know, across the world. Like well-designed products for people who were poor. And that revolution thinking of designing well for people who are poor started, um, really opens up the idea that there is a market, even at you know, the base of the pyramid. There are you know, There's a, a thriving market there if products are designed with price um, you know, to be affordable and they're designed to be robust and they're designed to be appropriate for the needs of, of people. And that's exactly what happened with the solar. So it went from being um, where you had to invest probably two or $300 for the simplest solar system 12 years ago to they designed solar lamps that were um, small, intuitive, robust, affordable. At the time, they were about $20 for a solar lamp, and those same solar lamps are about $3 now. And so this... Um, opened up the ability for a market-based solution for distributed solar in rural communities. All of this happened and I was looking around thinking, well, who's gonna make this happen? Who is actually gonna get these products out to these communities? And um, all the people who were very engaged in this industry were coming from a technology standpoint, a manufacturing standpoint, a design standpoint. But, What was missing was anybody who was focusing on the distribution and the customer standpoint. And that's where I, that was the problem that was in front of me. I thought, well, who's gonna do this? And there wasn't anybody. So I started a small project and just said, well, let's give it a try. What if we engaged local women to sell these products and built up a local market for distributing these products? And I worked with a woman in Uganda. Um, that She's head of the Women's Church Union in Uganda, and uh, she worked with me to introduce us to ten local women who would um, try this market-based selling products, door, you know, door-to-door kind of selling products, very direct, very grassroots selling small businesses, and. Uh, they were hugely successful beyond our wildest dreams. They, The products made sense for their community. The women understood them. The, their products are very simple and straightforward. The business model is very simple and straightforward. And so we weren't doing anything very genius. We were just doing something incredibly practical and um, common sense. And so the women got it right away and kind of ran with it from there. the The challenge for that became then not... Me trying to create a business in Africa, but me trying to keep up with a business that was being created in Africa, and so um, from then I got—I guess I got sucked in. You know, I got kind of pulled along with this this project.
0: Well, that was, that's quite the journey. You, you mentioned that you worked through local churches. Could, could you describe more how to get this product off the ground and to expand it? You've bridged across these, these cultural and racial divides.
1: You know, for example, we're working in um, Tanzania um, and Nigeria are, are two big, big markets. Um, our, our team, our on-the-ground team, um, is entirely local. And so it's, um, it's not so much a matter of kind of a white savior coming or, you know, me interacting so much with the, the local communities as this is a local Tanzanian business. And I do happen to be kind of behind the scenes and, you know, the founder, but the, the business on the ground is, conven- is, is completely uh, transacted. By the local women entrepreneurs, our our staff in Tanzania is all Tanzanian. Our country director in Tanzania, the finance team, the you know everyone there is is incredibly local. So I think one of the one of the ways that we have been really successful is by uh, operating very locally. Um, and so the the way that our business runs, it's. Um, a pure retail customer service distribution business, very simple business, but because it's so simple and straightforward, um, the the way the pr- the product selection, for example, that they choose in Tanzania, is slightly different than the product selection that they choose in Nigeria, um, because the. Um, you know, the customer needs are slightly different. And so um, because it's so very local, it is um, able to be operated in its its own context.
0: You mentioned that you take a, something of an Avon approach. C- could you impact that a bit for our audience?
1: Yeah, so Avon, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a um, cosmetics company that was, I think, very popular. It still exists, absolutely, but it was sure especially popular and started in the United States back in the early part of the last century, so in the ni- early 1900s. And it was women were able to purchase makeup, I think lipsticks, eyeshadow, that sort of thing, and um, and then sell those to their Friends and neighbors and through their social networks at the time. So social network meant actually a physical person that you connected with at the time, not so much an internet network as it is now. But they would sell, you know, they would buy products, they would add a margin to it, and then they would sell it. And so they keep that margin as their profit. Um, They build up a whole sales network um, of customers within their community, and it enables them to run a business, We, we call it a business in a bag, um, and at Solar Sister, they literally get a Solar Sister branded bag to help them carry around their products. And the the um, advantage of it is, and what what it really tapped into is, women are often have incredible networks, social networks. They have a lot of friends. They have a lot of um, social interactions, and so that's a great marketing opportunity. Women um, often have time and energy and desire to be an entrepreneur, but they don't necessarily have the ability to maybe go to work from eight in the morning till, you know, five in the evening or on seven days a week or five days a week or whatever the, you know, local requirement is for a job because women also have family. They also have, um, you know, other responsibilities that they have to take care of. And so this business in a bag idea, this being able to run your own business in a way that you're the boss and you decide if you're going to um, do it for a few hours a week or do it full time, you decide if you're gonna do it on Monday afternoons but not Thursdays, you know. You're completely in control of how your business operates really gives women the um, access to to be their own business. And so it's a very simple business model it provides the supply, and then the, the women provide the, the marketing. And so similar to Avon, which is what we think of as like door-to-door sales of um, cosmetic products that was incredibly successful globally, um, Solar Sister really looks at that same sort of model. But instead of cosmetics in the bag, what they've got are solar lamps, phone chargers, um, solar-powered phone chargers, home systems, uh, clean cook stoves. And you know other um, clean energy technology products that are both attractive to their customer base and needed by
0: their customer base. This this obviously profoundly changes the home lives of, of all the solar sister entrepreneurs. But but how does it also change their lives to have these job opportunities and and to bring money home?
1: There's I think two main impacts one is first because they are the ones that um, we provide training and support for the entrepreneurs and the training and support comes in the form of uh, business classes you know business training technology skills um, uh, what we call agency-based training which is uh, really building self-confidence and um, self-awareness that they have the capability to be a businesswoman and, and to step out in this way. So we have this training program and then we have, um, support them with access to the products. So we're, we are smoothing out all of the supply chain issues so that they have great products, high quality, already vetted products to sell. Um, so they're building up a brand that's built on trust and connection. And, um, so the women use the products themselves. Um, they're usually their first best customer, you know, of the products. Um, or they'll often tell us, "Well, I've made my first sale to my husband," <laughs> you know. And uh, so they Here's use the products. Yeah, they use the products in their home. And um, the first thing is when you are currently lighting your home with kerosene, and then you purchase a simple solar light that is, you know, eight times brighter. Um, You no longer have to purchase the kerosene every week. You're saving the time that you used to spend by walking to market to buy the kerosene. You're saving the money that you used to spend on the kerosene. You are, um, you know, no longer breathing in the fumes. Uh, You're no longer causing fires. Um, Fires and, and burning, you know, burns is an incredible hazard of having an open flame. If you can imagine, many homes are, Still thatched roof, having an open flame in a thatched roof home is just not a good idea. So um, so the first benefit is really that that transition from using kerosene to solar light. And um, that alone saves often around, you know, the amount of money that they save from not having to buy kerosene can often be $100 a year, which when we're talking about households that are in you know, in the area of um, income of maybe, you know, 300 to $400 per year, to save $100 a year is an incredible savings. You know, imagine if I just freed up 25% of your expenses this year. And then what you would do with that? Well, I can tell you what they do with it is they first almost consistently invest in their children's education. And so one of the stories that we hear again and again and again is that, you know, now I'm able to pay for the school fees for my child. Because while in Tanzania there's free education, the education is free, but you still have to pay the fees for things like school. They have to buy school uniforms. They have to have the proper um, fees for lunches and things like that. So there's still school fees that you have to pay in order to attend school. And that's always the first thing that we hear is now my children are I'm able to pay the school fees for my children to attend school. One story that really touched me was a woman um, talked about how, since she became a solar sister entrepreneur and the money that she saved from not having to buy kerosene, as well as the money that she earned as an entrepreneur, meant that all of her children were able to go to school the boys and the girls. And I think that really you know, speaks to the impact that this has um, on children's education, but also and especially on girls' education, because when there's a scarcity of money, um, choices have to be made. And so um, the choice is typically made that the boys do need to go to school, but maybe the girls don't. And so because the mother is able to uh, bring in income and because she's able to make a choice about how to spend that income, she was able to uh, invest in the education of both her sons and her daughters.
0: Going back again to your business model and, and to door-to-door selling, how has COVID affected the way Solar Sister has been operating uh, on the ground in Africa?
1: Um, COVID has definitely affected us globally, right? Across the world, everyone's, um, it's a global pandemic. Uh, I'm sitting in the United States where it's raging (laughs) beyond control and where it's probably we've been affected the worst as far as, I think, number of cases. Um, Cases and deaths. Yes. And um, so one of the things I'm really grateful for is that in Africa, they have not been as affected, but certainly they have been affected. And um, while the cases and deaths have not been as high as what we've seen here in the United States, um, they did go into lockdown. So in Nigeria, they, you know, were in lockdown. In Tanzania, I think even, even Tanzania for a month went into lockdown and then opened back up again. And so the the main impact has been on the economy. You know, when back in March, when April, when the um, when things were first happening, sort of everything shut down, the economy shut down, there was a lot of fear, a lot of unknown, um, and that very much impacted our entrepreneurs who who are um, reliant on, you know, in-person transactions mostly, as well as the support system that we have for them. So every month we have what we call sisterhood group meetings where we meet with the entrepreneurs and provide their inventory and they come together in groups of about 10 and have a, a two to four hour meeting together where they socialize, they support each other, they get their inventory topped up. They usually have tea, and they also um, get a training at each one of these meetings. They get a new training module, whether it's record keeping or best sales practices or, or something like that. Well, with COVID we had to stop the the sisterhood group meetings because we didn't want them coming together in groups of 10 and then, you know, contracting from each other um, the virus. And our own staff, we were really wanting to make sure our own staff wasn't traveling by public transportation or meeting in groups or being exposed to the virus either. So the first thing was we transitioned from being um, this incredibly, you know, face-to-face, in-person, in-groups kind of model to our staff supporting the entrepreneurs via um, telephone and WhatsApp and going to a very strong mobile support system where the entrepreneurs would, instead of having their Solar Sisterhood meeting in person in a group of 10, the sta- our staff member um, called a business development associate would call them and give them a coaching session, sort of a personal coaching session over the phone. And um, over several months, what we realized was these personal coaching sessions really built up an incredible connection between the business development associate and her entrepreneurs that was different than what she'd had before. When she would show up at a meeting and there's 10 women in the group and they're having circle time and they're you know learning through a training meeting, that's one kind of environment but when somebody calls you on the phone and personally addresses your particular challenge, that's another kind of learning. And so one of the things that's come out of this this time is that we realized that in addition to the sisterhood group meetings, that everyone is very eager to get back to because they really value that social time together and there's also a lot of peer support that happens there that's really valuable. But in addition to those sisterhood meetings, we are continuing with uh, this model of personalized support through telephone coaching. And so um, it's been kind of a, a you know, was it um, necessity is the mother of invention? And I think sure. that's what came here was, you know, because of necessity, we had to try a different way of doing things. And by trying a different way of doing things, we actually found something that worked differently and, you um, and provides, you know, a new uh, a new benefit to our entrepreneurs.
0: How have you uh, kept your international intercontinental team then together during this time?
1: Yeah, so thank goodness again for our local teams. You know, our, our entire staff, they don't really need me so much, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, they are a fully operating company on the ground there. So, you know, I have incredible team that, um, you know, our country director in Tanzania, Fatma Muzo, and our country director in Nigeria, Simbo Sagenren, are completely capable of running their operations um, I hope to provide some support and guidance when needed. And, um, but they are really, I have a lot of confidence and trust in them. So I think, I guess I would say that the, the work that we've put in over the past 10 years of building up those teams, and that has been a lot of investment in um, building the capacity of our local staff, um, has paid off um, because we were able to make it through this year that's really been a year of testing us and we were able to find out that we do have the um, the ability on the ground in place so so now it's time for me to start you know looking for and this is what our our plan is as we go forward is to see if we can share the solar sister model in other places where it's needed so we are currently you know operating across, um, Tanzania and Nigeria. but that's just a drop in the bucket. and there are so many other places in sub-Saharan Africa alone where this model could really be beneficial. So we're actively looking to expand into other countries um, in in sub-Saharan Africa. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons is this year for the first time in the past ten years, the number of people without access to electricity in sub-Saharan Africa, actually trended up it had been on a trend down where you know more and more people were gaining access to electricity through efforts like solar sister and other efforts of trying to reach those that are off-grid um, and government efforts to try to extend the grid all of that was bringing down the numbers um, where it had come down below 600 million. And this year it went back up. And the reason for that is I think part of it is the economy and some of those efforts weren't able to continue as as much as in the past. And also the increase in population is outstripping the pace of electrification. And so what we have predictions is that if we don't double down on our intention of getting access to electricity to everyone, we're actually going to be losing ground over the next 20 years. And so instead of reaching 2030 with the sustainable development goal of access for everyone, we're going to go backwards. So I guess this is my appeal to everyone, that this is a really important issue and that we really do need um, you know, more people caring about this and thinking about this and investing in this and um, donating to efforts. We're uh, making sure that Everybody has access to clean energy. Um, Benefits us all because, you know, if they're not using clean energy as these populations increase, they will be using, um, you know, dirty fuels and that affects the environment and that affects all of us.
0: For, for the gear-minded folks out there in the audience, could you describe a bit more about what types of equipment uh, your entrepreneurs are are providing and, and are selling?
1: Sure. So uh, one of the ways you can take a look is if you go to our website, which is solarsister.org, and you check um, on the drop-down menus, there's an area that shows you what products we're selling through our network of entrepreneurs. And I can describe them for you a little bit here, which is – Everything from a very simple solar-powered light. And what it looks like is um, it's kind of a, a, a light on a stand that um, is designed so that you can use the stand on a table or you could hang it from a wall and light up a whole room. Um, you could carry it around with you. And it functions very simply where you, you know, on one side of it, it has the, the light bulb that's um, protected by a plastic shield so that it doesn't get broken in harsh environment. And the other side of it, if you flip it over, it has an embedded solar panel about the size of a, a playing card. And you take that light and you set it outside in the direct sunlight, and, um, you know, where we're working is definitely, you know, on the equator, so, you know, they have access to really strong sunlight, so you put the lamp outside in the direct sunlight and that charges up the battery in the lamp. And then you bring the lamp in at night and you're able to use it for you know, for hours at night. And it has settings for high, you know, intense, strong light, or you can punch the button and it makes it uh, a dimmer light if you want to use it for longer. And you punch the button and you can have just a very soft light if you want light throughout the entire night. And so um, it's very intuitive, very easy to use, very robust. So that's the simplest product we have. But we also have products that um, are primarily solar-powered phone chargers. So one of the really interesting ironies is that when we're we're working in a country, we're working across countries that have no access to electricity for so many people. But the number of people who have cell phones is something like 70 or 80 percent of the population has a cell phone and you know how do you charge up your cell phone if you don't have electricity well what people do right now is they walk into market um, they hand their cell phone over to the shop the shop has some kind of grid electricity and they'll pay that shopkeeper to charge up their phone and it might only cost you know 25 cents or something like that to charge up your phone but Think about the convenience of that. Think about if every time you needed to charge your phone every, what, two or three days maybe to charge up your phone, you had to go into downtown, hand your phone over for somebody to charge it up for a couple hours, and then they give it back to you, and you have to pay for that. So incredibly inefficient and expensive. And so um, when you have a solar-powered phone charger— You don't have to walk into town. You don't have to hand over your most precious cell phone to some stranger. You don't have to pay for anyone to charge it, and you're able to charge it and keep it charged for for when you need it at home. So um, some of the lamps have phone charging capabilities or even phone bank, you know, a small phone charger. So people can keep their cell phones charged. is an incredibly useful and popular item. I think people would, um, as a matter of fact, I think people would sit in the dark if they could still talk on their cell phone. So the cell phone chargers are very popular.
0: I think many of us have sat in the dark and talked (laughs) to our cell
1: phone. And then there's larger systems, things like um, full home systems where it's a larger panel and um, the wires and uh, you you might have two or three, even four lights that you can hang up inside your home. And when we're talking about a home that might have four separate rooms in it, uh, you could put one light in each room. You would even have a switch on the wall, and the experience of having, you know, and it's got a permanently installed panel on the roof, and it comes all in a box ready to ready to install, and, and that experience is very much like being connected to the grid. You know, you come home at night and flip the switch, and light comes on, and so that's an incredibly um, uh, uplifting experience of, of changing somebody's how they how they're experiencing life at home.
0: As as you train the the entrepreneurs, do you train them as well to do light repairs and to be technicians on the equipment as well?
1: Yes. So the Solar Sister entrepreneurs, the training we provide them um, supports uh, customer service and aftermarket service, because really the the key for solar and the key for it to be adapted widely is that people trust it, and they trust it because it's dependable. And so that starts with the products that we sell are high quality. Even if we you know, work very hard to make them a low price, we make sure that they are the best high quality products. They're all certified by Lighting Global, which is a, a global certification for off-grid electricity products. Um So we make sure that we're getting the best products into the market. The manufacturers all provide uh, one one or two year warranties. Um, And so our entrepreneurs are working in the best products. They support the warranties, which is um, itself a whole uh, new and learning for most of these rural markets. They're not used to products coming with warranties, and so learning how to Trust the fact that if your product breaks because of manufacturer default, you could actually turn it back in and get a replacement is, is a, a big step.
0: I want to go back to something we touched upon earlier, the the impact of your project at home. How has access to solar energy or energy at all helped your solar sister entrepreneurs become independent, uh, both of their male partners and, and of the patriarchy uh, in general? How has this in, in turn also changed uh, or affected local rural cultures? Yeah,
1: so um, this is, I think for me, one of the, the most rewarding parts of our work is seeing the impact in the lives of our entrepreneurs, um, the women who, uh, you know, are incredibly resourceful and working so hard and um, and so generous with their time for their communities to bring these products to their communities, and then when we see what how the changes in their lives. Um, one of, one of the things that we see is that um, they gain in standing. Because they start earning income, they're able to make more decisions about how income is spent within their own family. And that gives them this sense of power, a sense of empowerment. Um, it, it really gives them some control over decision-making. And um, that leads to um, just you know, stronger women, stronger families, stronger communities, and we just see this great ripple effect. Um, One of the questions we often get asked is, so what about when women make an income, and and what about their husbands? What do their husbands think of this? And and we're working in often very conservative communities where uh, women earning money outside the home isn't usual. And so this really is something um, that is a a change for them. Well, I think one of the best stories I can share with you that gives gives this example is an entrepreneur, her name's Halima, who is from a very traditional Muslim family in rural Tanzania. And when she heard about Solar Sister, she wanted to become a Solar Sister entrepreneur. She um, they had bought one of the products from someone that they know, and so they were using solar light at their own home, and she saw the value of it, and she thought of so many people that would also benefit from it, and so she wanted to become an entrepreneur and sell it to you know the people in her community and in her family who would also benefit from solar light and earn some money as she was doing it. She thought that'd be a great idea. So she asked her husband. You know, She's in a um, uh, tradition where she would need her husband's permission in order to do that to start a business and she asked her husband can i start selling these solar lights in the community go out you know to reach out to people walk from you know house to house and sell these solar lights and her husband said no you know it's i can't give you permission to be like going from door to door that just isn't acceptable for us and so that was kind of the end of that conversation. But then she thought about it and decided, well, the, if the issue was going door to door, I don't have to do that. And instead, she invited um, people that she knew. Um, so she wasn't selling to strangers, but she sold to people that she knew, her her family, her cousins, her you know her community, people that she knew in the community. And she invited women into her home and she showed them the solar light that she was using. And asked them if they would also like one, and they did. And so they brought money to her, and they bought these solar lights. And so she did start her solar sister business really from home and in-home. And a few weeks later, her husband, she um, used the money that she had earned from the business to um, buy something a bit luxurious for her and her husband. And so she bought a new bedding set. And um, her husband did notice that they had this brand-new bedding set, and he thought it was very nice, and he asked her where it came from. And she told him, well, remember that business that you told me I couldn't do by going door-to-door? Well, I decided how to do it without going door-to-door, but by having people come here. And he thought about that a minute, and perhaps was not you know, weighed <laughs> the difference between having this nice bedding set and, and, and his decision. And he, he decided it was okay. He he thought that she was fine to do it that way. And so he gave her perm- permission, He um, or accepted the fact that she was running this business out of the home this way. And after their meal that Sunday, she was telling us the story that uh, they're sitting around after the meal. And he turned to her and he said, well, don't you have some work that you should be doing <laughs> and so I think that um, you know husband by husband you know the solar sister entrepreneurs are are creating global change
0: <laughs> our audience is global though mostly centered here in Europe as as we go into this holiday season despite covid it's it's still a season of light uh, in in that sense how can we in the audience help bring both electricity and and light to the regions that, that you serve. How can we get involved in the Solar Sister project?
1: Yeah. So I think the, the one of the most practical ways is that we are currently running a matching campaign on our website, um, uh, Be the Light Matching Challenge, where for every donation that you make, it'll be matched and those funds go directly to support women entrepreneurs in the rural communities in Tanzania and Nigeria. And you can think, you know, every little bit helps. And, um, but what we do know is that when people come together and support and donate up to, um, you know, a $500 donation um, or group of people coming together to, to donate $500, is enough money to kickstart a brand new woman entrepreneur. And that gives her the, um, her business in the bag, which is, you know, um, branded materials and everything that she needs to start up her new business, including receipt books and, and everything like that, as well as um, the training that she gets over her first year of being an entrepreneur. And so by um, supporting an entrepreneur, you know that after we, after she's been kickstarted and her business has started, it's a sustainable gift that continues to go on and on. Because once she is buying and selling the products and earning profits, she's able to turn that revenue back into the business and uh, continue again and again. So it's not just a one-time gift that is like giving someone yeah, you know the phrase, right? Don't give a man a fish; give him, you know, teach him how to fish. And this truly is, you know, don't just give someone a light, but instead uh, teach a woman how to build a business of bringing light to her community.
0: Well, wow. thank you, Catherine. Um, I am I, really moved by this. I, I also would like to uh, to contribute. I'm looking forward to donating uh, as well to this cause uh, and, and to Solar Sister. I'd, I'd like to see how many women uh, we and, and this audience and the audience can empower through this broadcast. I'm going to start uh, by donating uh, the first hundred uh, euros and and challenge our audience to to match this and maybe together we can help enable others to bring light to their families too.
1: Great. If you so if you go to the website and it's uh, www.solar sister and go to the Give Now button. And when you're making your gift, if you uh, make a comment on there, there's a place where you can say, in memory of or in honor of, if you make a comment that it's related to this, web, uh, to this podcast, um, we can let you know, that, um, who, you know how many people did give.
0: Catherine, uh, thank you so much uh, for, for the work that you do, for sharing that with our audience. And, and really thank you for, for the example of how you've chosen to make a difference with your life. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. And thanks to all of you who've tuned in and stayed tuned in. You've been listening to the Berlin Energy Transition Dialogue podcast, a B E T D production. The dialogues themselves are hosted and supported by the German federal government and are a joint initiative of the German Renewable Energy Federation, BEE, the German Solar Association, BSW Solar, the German Energy Agency, DANA, and Clarion. I'll put up links in the show notes to Solar Sister and information as to how you, too, can get involved. If you like the show, please consider subscribing to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd like to once again thank my amazing producer, Christian Krainborg, who keeps doing an amazing job pulling this podcast together. Once again, I'm Michael Buxbaum. You can find my recent blogs for the Heinrich Boll Stiftung at energytransition.org or reach me directly on Twitter at lmichaelbuxbaum. Our theme song is A Way of Life by Paul Vanna. Until next time, please wear a mask, stay healthy, and thanks for listening.